Good morning, everyone. How are you guys doing today? You doing all right? It's so good to see you. I am so glad that you're here. Uh, I believe that God is going to speak to you today. Uh, I get the, the benefit of preaching a message twice. So first of all, anything that I do, I feel sorry for the people in the first service because we I mess up a lot. Uh, but we get all that worked out. But another thing is, I get to preview what the message is like and how it affected people. I really feel like God is going to minister today. But before I get started, I want to talk to you about what's happening November the 4th, in case you haven't been here. Everybody say November the 4th. That is two Sundays away, and that is our Give Sunday. And that is the kickoff of our fall and our winter giving. We, uh, Faith Co. is a very generous church, but it's, we're going to kick off Bikes for Kids, portion of that offering is going to go to Bikes for Kids. A portion of it is going to go to some of the uh, organizations that are that happen in Shawnee. We bless some of the organizations here. We do some things as far as mission around the world. We do though some things about Christmas time. And, and I, what I want you to do is I just want you to bring your best offering, your best gift. Be thinking about it. We, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, but be thinking about what you can do and bring your best gift to, to kick this off. We're going to be talking about Bikes for Kids for the next month, but to kick off what we're going to be doing bring your best gift on November the 4th, and let's be generous. Let's really make an impact on some of these organizations and some of these people that are, are and, I, and here's the deal. I'll tell you what you did. I'll tell you what we were able to do and, and how we're going to be blessed, but right now, it depends on what we bring in. So I just want to be, I just want to be prepared to give November the 4th. Amen? Okay. Well, today's series, we're continuing the message, Devil, Knowing Your Enemy. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at Scripture and we're finding some of the names that the Bible gives him and also how the Bible depicts him. We're drawing from that because his names give insight into his nature and how he works and tries to defeat us. But we're calling those out and we're looking at his strategies and how we can overcome him. So let's begin with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here today and, and thank you, Lord, for how you quicken our spirits to prepare us for what you want to speak to our lives. And I pray that that's exactly what happens. Lord, we eliminate all distractions. We lean in to receive what you want to say to us today and change us to confront us in any areas that we need this. And this we ask in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you have nothing to fear. All right, you might look to the other side to your second choice, friend, and say, you have nothing to fear. You may or you may not know this, but my daughter Savannah, a.k.a. Vans, her self-given name that she gave, she gave herself, she's been on a mission trip uh, for the past couple of months, and she'll be over in the U.K. in a place called uh, Tees, Stockton, if I'm saying that right, or Stockton Tees, for uh, the next year or so. And every week I get an update. She FaceTimes me, and, and uh, just this past week she's like, Dad, you can't believe what it's like to minister over here. And uh, kids are different here, and it's, it's more like survival mode. And I feel like this is, this is one of the most powerful things I do. So anyway, I, I get to talk to her, and thank goodness for FaceTime. You guys, you, when your kids grow up and go to college or when they go away or whatever, you'll know what I'm talking about. But thank, thank goodness for, for FaceTime. But uh, this past week as we were FaceTiming, she said that, She's a part of the lead team. She's kind of like volunteer staff over in this little church that she's centered in. And I thought, you know, that's just like Vans to go over and take over and put herself in a position of taking over and authority over. That's exactly sounds like something she would do. 
But she's over there, and, and she's part of this meeting that she tells me about that they're planning for the week. And one of the things that she mentioned was they're sending out some different, uh, some, of the, some of the young people, some of the college students, they're putting together some of them, a team, with their team, they're getting some volunteers from some of the college students that are there to do mission work to be part of this team called the Deliverance Team. Now, what do you think of when I say, hey, this is going to be a deliverance team? What do you think of? That's, I know exactly what she was about to tell me, but I was going to listen to what she said. The conversation was something like this, and she goes on to explain, hey, guys, uh, there's a woman in our church that says she believes that she's experiencing something that we feel is like demonic activity in her home. So when we questioned her, we asked, why do you think it's something like this, and And why do you feel like there's some spiritual issues in your home? She said, well, my daughter has been involved in witchcraft for years. So if I could really get some some people from your team to come over to our church and to pray and to bless our home. And Savannah was looking at me. She was telling this story. And I thought about this, that the United States, Christianity is still the dominant religion here. Regardless of what it's being told to us on the media or whatever, Christianity is the dominant religion by far, especially here in the belt buckle of the Bible belt. There's, we're majorly a Christian nation. So you don't see a lot of these kinds of things. We don't have a deliverance team at our church, and, and I could probably tell you two stories, of, and that's pretty much it in my entire lifetime being involved in ministry if something like this was going on, but it's not the case when you step into other countries where, like the UK, that is a post-church nation where 2% of the population claims to be Christian, where there is this ancient sense of paganism. And then you go in places like Asia. In fact, there's a story a few years back when I was in Cambodia. I was in this church that was about half the size of ours, and it was just completely filled with with people from Phnom Penh and Cambodia, and I had no idea what they were saying. The language over there is called Khmer or something like that. And I was up at the front, and I was about to do a message there at this church, and there was a, you know, we were singing and we were worshiping and I was just kind of watching and it was really, really just kind of taking the moment in and I hear a noise in the back and all the way up to the front. And I look back to the back and there was a, a guy laying down on the floor and he was screaming and he was kind of slivering around and kind of a weird situation that was going on. And, and then there were people around him, they were kneeled down and they, were, they weren't just praying for him, they were holding the guy down. So, you know, I was, I was looking at that and worshiping and looking at that and worshiping and looking at that and worshiping. Finally, I looked over at the pastor and I said, hey, uh, should we do something about that? And he goes, he says, no, this happens pretty often at our church. That is nothing but the devil coming in to cause a distraction. We got a team that takes care of that. Don't even worry about it. Just keep worshiping. They got this. So I'm like, okay, I, I just keep worshiping. It was very matter of fact. It was like something that, that was a, seemed like a common occurrence. It's, it's, and what I find out that in other churches and other parts of the world that's not dominant Christian religion, we see that it's, it's very matter-of-fact and it's, it's not so uncommon for them to have what is called deliverance ministries. Well, Vans had this concerned look on her face as she looked through my computer and she said, Dad, what if they asked me to go be a part of this team and, 
and I try to pray for somebody, and it turns out to be like that story in Acts that, that I heard you talk about. You guys know the seven sons of Sceva that tried to cast the devil out of this guy, and they looked at these seven sons and said, you know, I know who Paul is, and I know who Jesus is. I don't know who you, and the Bible says he leaped on these seven young men, ripped their clothes off them, beat them up badly that they ran, ran from that house screaming and, and injured. She said, Dad, what if it happens like that? I, I don't know. I don't want that to happen. And then she looks at me through the community and says, Dad, I, I might need to set this one out. <laughs> I don't know if I'm prayed up enough. I, I just want to veer from that story. I'll come back to it here in just a second. But what I want to do is I want to go into Scripture and show you where the Bible talks about Satan or the devil being depicted as a roaring lion and why he does that. John 10 and 10, these are the words of Jesus. It says, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Now, as far as destroying your life, we know that that's what he does, but he's not going to show up on your doorstep all dressed in black, you know, with a with a reaper's, you know, a, a grim reaper little look and, and look at you as you walk out on your front door and, you, and say something to the effect of, hey, let's talk about what we got to do to destroy your life and your family. And what do you think about that? He's not going to do that. He's not going to show up on your doorstep one day and say, hey, I got enough for you, can't refuse. How about a, how about a one-way first-class ticket to hell? No, he's not going to do anything like that. He's got a plan. And he's got a scheme that's been working for millennials, destroying the lives of people. Ephesians 6 and 11 says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. His plans, his schemes are his plans to destroy your life. He knows what he's doing. He's got your number. He's been doing this for years. He's got a scheming Worked out, tried, and true method of destroying the lives of people. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, it gives insight into one of his schemes, that the one I'm talking about today. 1 Peter 5 and 7. It says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversity, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. His goal is to devour, to consume and destroy you through fear. That's how he tries to destroy people. That's one of the schemes he has, fear. A roaring lion, I don't know if you've ever heard an actual roaring lion, but it's a lot louder than what you heard on, uh, what's that cartoon? Lion King. It's a lot louder than that. It's, it's, it's like as loud as, a, as a, a car horn. It's louder, actually, and it's very fierce. And it's scary. The Bible says that he prowls around. That talks a little bit about how he's trying to catch you off guard. That's, that, that's, about, that's about a sneak attack. But the roar is about fear. A lion roars to warn other predators and to warn other lions to stay away from his pride. Stay away or I will attack you. That's what the devil tries to do. He roams about. Sneaking about like a roaring lion. The first thing that he wants to do is to strike fear into your life. Listen to me. Every time the devil attacked God's people in the Bible, the first thing that he tried to do was to strike fear into their lives. Remember the story of the Israelites as they're being chased by the Egyptian army. They're up against the Red Sea. They look out and they see all of these Egyptians. What happened? They They became afraid. They were heavily outnumbered. They didn't have any weapons 
They thought that they were going to be killed right there. He wanted, the devil tried to strike fear into their lives. You know the story of David and Goliath. Israel was at war with the Philistines and how they would sometimes decide a battle was through bringing out the champions. Israel maybe had a couple of champions, but as soon as they saw Goliath, it says that Goliath was somewhere about 10 feet tall. He had a sword that was six feet long. He had a spear with the head of it that weighed in excess of 20 pounds. Can you imagine him stepping out? The, 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 the soldiers parting and Goliath stepping out and said, bring me your best guy. That was an act to, to strike fear into this Israeli army. But God had a remedy, and that was a teenage boy. Any time in the New Testament that the New Testament church would try to meet, it was always, there was always this fear factor because persecution was going on in the New Testament church. But here's what we have to remember. God wants to bless you, and God wants to give you new life. Remember, the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. Every blessing comes with a challenge to obey. Every blessing comes with a challenge to obey. And what happens is God wants to get you to come from there to here, like the, the people of Israel. God could not bless the people of Israel in Canaan. In order for God to do what he wanted to do in that nation, he had to get them out of Egypt and take them over, over to Canaan. God, may, God wants to bless you. He wants to do some things in your life. He wants, you to, he wants to take you to a new level, but he has to move you from point A to point B. And the process from getting there is taking steps of faith. And every step that you take, the enemy is going to be there to frighten you into not taking that step of faith. Listen, anytime God challenges you, the devil will try to scare you. Anytime God challenges you to take a step of faith, the enemy, the devil, will try to scare you. When God says go, the devil says no. It's too risky. Stay right here. So we have to understand, we must understand that our enemy, the devil, uses fear as a strategy to destroy our lives. So let's talk real quickly about how we can overcome this scheme of fear that the enemy uses. Number one, and it's simple, is don't worry. Don't worry. Notice I say it like it's a choice because it is, and I'm going to show it to you in just a second. Don't worry. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, it says this, casting all your anxieties, which are worries, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. The New Living Translation says it like this, give all your worries and cares to God. Give them up. Give them to God. Let's define worry. Worry is simply the thought that you give to your fears. Let me say that again. Worry is simply the thought that you give to fears. Excessive thought to fears, excessive worries, has, has a strain on your life. It will consume you. Have you ever laid in bed at night and thought about what could happen and it kept you awake at night? You ever lost sleep over worries? Over something that, that there was, it was just a slight chance that it might happen? That's worry. And if, it's, if we're not careful, it affects our decisions. Listen, decisions made or not made out of fear will derail you. And that's why I say worry is a choice, and we have to decide not to worry. How do you decide not to worry? Travis, you don't understand. I, I don't want to worry. That's not a decision. That's just something that happens. Listen to this. 
How do you decide not to worry? The Bible tells us right here. It says, cast your anxieties on God. Here's the deal. You can't just say, I'm not going to worry and walk away from it. Worries need a place to be dumped. Worries need a dumping ground. So you have, the Bible says you can throw, cast your worries upon the Lord. You know, why not take your worries to God who can do something about it? Now, a lot of times we take our worries and we take our frustrations, we take our anxieties to people that are around us. We might take them to our friends. And the best that you're going to get from, you know, your, your friend or your girlfriend is, girl, I know exactly what you're talking about. And here's what I would do if I were you. So, and she goes through a list of things that she might do. And once you leave her house, she might pray for you. But that's pretty much it. She really can't do anything about it. Your buddy that you talk to just looks at you. you know, guys, you know, they listen with a different sense. And guys, are, he, your guy buddy, you tell him the story and he's just like, yeah, that's about all he says. <laughs> if you've ever talked to a guy, it's about the way that, man, I'm doing this, and this is what's going on. I don't know what I'm going to do. Dude. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But what you can do is you can take your worries, and you can take them to God. That's what the Scripture says. Cast your worries Dump all your worries on God because he cares for you. Not only does he care for you, he can do something about it. There's an old song that we used to sing in church many years ago called Someone to Care. Someone to care, someone to share all your troubles like no other can do. He'll come down from the sky, wipe the tears from your eyes. You're his child and he cares for you. Not only, not only does he care for you, he knows what you're going through. He cares about your struggles. He cares about your troubles. He cares about your worries, the things that's keeping you up at night. But it's more than that. He can do something about that. He can move heaven and earth if you will cast your worries on him. You don't have to go to bed at night and worry about things you're not supposed to. In fact, your body can't handle that. Worries will drive your health down. Cast your cares on somebody that can do something, that not only cares about your situation, but can do something about it. Don't worry. Number two, if you're going to overcome fear and this scheme of the devil, you've got to watch out. You've got to watch out. Look at this scripture again. It says, be sober or sound-minded and be watchful. Be sober-minded and be watchful. How do we do that? How do, we, how do we go about being sober-minded and be watchful? Ephesians says this, Ephesians 6 and 18, it says, Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Look at this. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers. How do you be watchful? How do you be alert? You know, uh, you may know this about me. I know my family knows this about me, but I'm a little bit jumpy. It's entertaining for them just to take me to movies where things jump out because they, when, when something's coming, somebody grabs the popcorn out of my hand because they know it's about to go over. And it's not that I'm afraid of it. I mean, I can watch a scary movie, go to bed, and not worry about anything. I don't have any trouble. But it's, the, it's the, the catching me off guard. I mean, it just happened yesterday. I was at the quick stop, and I ran into a guy that I knew. And right up here at 45th Street, there's a little red box outside of it. And, you know, the, the quick stop, the door is right here. Hey, man, see you later. I'll talk to you later. Well, he was on the other side of the red box, and he was wanting to tell me something. But he was on the other side like this where you couldn't see him, and he was just standing there leaning up against it. 
So I got my little energy drink and my fried burrito in my hand. I'm just kidding. Anyway, I'm just walking past, and I don't even see him, and he just, all he does is go, hey. <laughs> well, all I can tell you is everybody standing around got a good laugh out of that. I'm, I'm, I'm just easily startled. Well, let me tell you something. In your walk with God, if, are, you, are you easily startled? Or are you watching and keeping alert? A lot of times, the reason we're caught off guard is because we're not being watchful and sober-minded about the attacks of the enemy. The reason that he can so easily strike fear into our lives is we're not giving it like this with our walk with God. We're just kind of like walking along. Whatever happens, and all of a sudden, you know, the enemy steps out, and it frightens us and we're, because we're not alert. We need to be watchful. Well, how do you be watchful? It says it right here. Pray in the Spirit at all times, and on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent to your prayers. Alertness comes, listen to me, alertness comes through your daily prayer life. It, I know that sounds simple, but it's true. Anytime I feel like I'm being caught off guard, anytime I feel like something blindsided me or I'm laying in bed and I'm worrying at night because of something that, 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 that could happen or whatever, I need to check my prayer life. Because when, I, when my prayer life is intact, and, and I'm reading the scripture every single day, what it does is it brings a prayerful perspective. Everybody say prayerful perspective. Say it again, prayerful perspective. A prayerful perspective. When I take everything, when I filter everything that's going on in my life, when I filter my day through a perspective of a prayer life, it brings a godly perspective into my life. If I, if I get up in the morning before anybody gets up and I'm, and I'm, I'm going through my prayer journal, journal, it reminds me of what I'm supposed to be doing. It reminds me that God is in control of my life. And I make the daily decisions, but God ultimately is going to take me where I need to go. I don't need to worry about these things. I just need to stay alert. Is the enemy around the corner? If he is, I'm going to stay prayed up and studied up. Because I need to be alert. And lastly, if we're going to overcome fear or this scheme of the devil, we've got to stand firm or stand firm in faith. The rest of this passage says, resist him firm in your faith. Notice that it doesn't just say resist the devil. It just says, it also says resist him in your faith. Stand in your faith knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. That's something that we need to remember, that no matter what you're going through, there's a really good chance that somebody just across the way, somebody across the city, somebody else in the state, somebody in other parts of the world, there are people going through the same kinds of things. That, that helps us stand in faith. A lot of times when I'm going through something that I feel like, Nobody else has gone through. I've actually sat in a counselor's office before in, in years past and told my story about some things that were going on. And a counselor that was 76 years old, a, a Christian counselor, looked across one time and said, I have never heard a story like that in my life. That wasn't too encouraging at the moment. But for the most part, for the most part, everything that I've ever been through there's somebody that is, this has happened to before. In fact, a lot of times, if you knew who it was, or a lot of times, it's somebody that has been through something worse than you. 
or it's somebody that's going through something with less resources that are knocking it out of the park. They're, they're taking less of something and doing more of what you're doing. We need to remember that the things that we go through, the things that we're facing, there's no reason to be afraid because there's a really good chance that people all over the world at some point have been through the same kinds of situations. Now listen, there are two possible reactions to fear. The first one we've already talked about, worry. Worry leads to inaction, which is disobedience. God says, when God says, hey, I want you to come over, I want to take you out of that place, and I want you to come over here because I have a plan for your life right here. Well, what happens is somewhere in the middle, the devil will put something in our path to cause us to worry and to fear. And what happens is we say, no, I can't do that. I can't do that because I'm too afraid. Or I, I don't know the outcome, so I can't do that. You know what that is? You know why we can't worry? Why the Bible tells us? Jesus says don't worry. It's because it leads to disobedience. Are you hearing that? Worry leads to disobedience. The other reaction to fear is the one that we want to do, and that is courage. Courage is acting in faith, standing in faith, which is obedience. Worry is disobedience. Courage is obedience. The Bible says resist him firm in faith. You know what the opposite of faith is? I think of the opposite of faith. I, I used to think the opposite of faith, well, that's doubt. But in actuality, the opposite of faith is fear. The opposite of faith is fear. That, that, that's exactly what the devil would do. He would try to strike you with something that would cause you to be disobedient to God saying, hey, I want you to step out here in faith. The Bible says that it's impossible to please God without faith. Of course, the enemy would put something in your path that would cause you to be disobedient and not walk in faith. 2 Corinthians says we walk by faith and not by sight. A lot of times God wants you to take another step and you're a step away from where God wants you to be. But a lot of times there is uncertainty. There's a lot of uncertainty about, well, if I take this step, I don't know the outcome. We walk by faith and not by sight. A lot of times you can't see it. It's hard to, it's hard to walk in darkness, isn't it? Uh, you, you, you can't see. I mean, I, the other day somebody turned off the lights in a room and we were try, had to get out the door and you couldn't see anything. I mean, the first thing that I'm thinking about is don't stump your toe, you know. This is what you look like if you're walking through because you're protecting everything, you know. You're, you don't know what's going to happen. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard to walk in darkness. The same thing happens when it comes to faith. God says, I don't, I, I don't want you to take a look. I don't want you to look at your surroundings. We're not walking by sight. We're walking by faith. If you walk by sight, you'll never accomplish anything. If you just look at what you're afraid of, you'll never walk forward into what God has for you and what God is calling you to do. You see, your eyes, the Bible says, are the windows to the soul. Jesus said that the eyes are the window to the soul. Sight creates the most powerful emotions. Think about that. The things that you see, what your eyes see, creates and strikes different emotions down in your life. One of the most powerful emotions created through sight is fear. And the enemy, the devil, will say, stop walking. You can't see. But courage comes through faith. And faith is believing even though you can't see. Think about that. 
Think of the challenge behind that verse. Faith is believing even though you can't see. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to work out. But God beckons you to take a step. Take a step of faith. Listen, if, if you're going to run your race, it starts with a step of faith. Well, I can't run over. We don't run over there. Just take a step of faith. Well, I, I don't know if this is, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Well, just take another step because we walk by faith and not by sight. Well, I, I don't know if God's going to work this out in my life. I, I, I don't, I, don't worry about that. Just take another step of faith. Walk by faith. I can't see it, but I trust that God is working it out for me because I walk by faith and not by sight. You believe that? Say amen. What do we do? We just keep walking. We just keep walking. A lot of times we, we ask ourselves, how can I be sure that this is where God wants to take me? How can I be sure that God's got my back? Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is the assurance. How can, I, how can you be sure? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction or the belief of things not seen. Faith is the ability to believe in things that you can't see according to God's plan. Listen to me. Courage does not mean that you're never afraid. I think that's important that we say that. Courage does not mean that you're, that, that you're never afraid. Courage does not mean that there's not uncertainty. The difference in courage and worry is courage says, I might be afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. In fact, that's, that's the very essence of courage, that that fear is a part of it. Being afraid is a part of it, but you overcome fear and you do it anyway. Anybody here ever jumped out of a plane with parachuting? Anybody ever done that? I would I always like the idea of it, but I got issues with heights. I mean, you take me up an airplane, that's cool, but I got to be strapped in no matter where I go. You can, I can go as high as you want, as long as I have a harness and there's a secure Thing, but the thought of just jumping out of a plane, I never thought I would do something like that. And for my 40th birthday, three years ago, for my 40th, <laughs> all right, all right. But for my 40th birthday, I had a, a buddy of mine buy me a ticket and a, buy my way to, to, to go skydiving. And I, when he told me that, I just got sick. You've got to be kidding me. And then, you know, we go over there, we put on the, you, you know, suits and all this stuff and put all this gear. And, okay, here's what we do. They have a little plane out there. And, you know, the, the plane, you know, you jump out three feet. So all you got to do is put your, and then you just jump. And I'm thinking, that's not bad. We can do that. And then it takes like 15 minutes to get to 10,000 feet in this plane. And then they sold that plane way down. And uh, they open up this door. And it's a five-foot door, and you look out into the expanse of the sky. And all of a sudden, you know, I had this, I had this, all the blood left my face. And I had these dark, somebody took a picture of this. I was sweating under my eyes thinking about this. I was sick. How in the world am I going to do this? And they opened up this door, and they're like, this, this is about to get real. And then it was a tandem thing, and this was kind of a distraction but they cinch their bodies. You basically, you spoon this other guy. I mean, his, his lips are right there. Like, zip, zip, zip. You know, that was just like, okay, okay, I'm ready to jump. Get me out. You know. But they're like, okay, all you got to do, Travis, all you got to do is put your leg 
on that wing. Put your hand right there and put your leg on that wing. And I'm like, this is really going to happen. So I went to put my leg on that wing and the wind blew it and almost fell out. Almost accidentally fall out. 10,000 feet. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, it's okay. I got you. It's okay. I got you. All right. On three, you got to let go. Ready? Okay, let's get to rocking. One, two, and I didn't let go. Mr. Hirsch, you're going to have to let go. No, I don't have to let go. Listen, man, you don't want to ride this plane on. You know, we went through that conversation. He said, all right, so just, just let go. Let go. Okay, on three. Ready? One, two, and then three. And we just went rolling out into the sky. And then after that, that was the, the toughest part. After that, it's like, doesn't matter now. If the, you know, you, you did this, you know. Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for all my sins. If this if it didn't work out, I'll see you in a little bit, you know. But the thing is, after that moment, I mean, if I had the chance and wanted to throw down 350 bucks, that's the issue. I would do it again. Because even though I was really, really afraid, I would not have even gotten on that plane if I wouldn't have thought, we're doing this. No matter what, we're doing this. That's what, in your life, whatever's going on, whatever the enemy's trying to do in your life, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is even though you're afraid, we're doing this anyway. All right? And a lot of times, that is what faith looks like because if you don't accustom yourself to overcoming fear, you'll never go to where God wants to take you. It's kind of like this. There's always this little bit of risk in where God wants to take you. There's always a risk. Anytime that you're breaking new ground, anytime you're stepping out, doing more things for God, God is going to do some things in your life. There's going to be a little bit of a fear factor, but that's okay. Because God, you're not just, you're not just having faith in anything, you're having faith in God. The Bible says that faith is the assurance. Faith gives us confidence and courage to live in the realm where God wants us to live. No matter what my eyes see, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what I face, God is going to walk me through if I will walk by faith and not by sight. Real quickly, let me review. Instead of fear, don't worry. Instead of being afraid, be alert and watch out. And instead of being afraid, stand firm in the faith. I want to go back to this story. So I'm looking at Vans through the computer. And Vans and I have always been extremely close. And I look at her, and I know that she's worried. In fact, she's a little bit afraid because Savannah has a tell. When Savannah is afraid or worried about something, and it's not anger, it's, it's fear or worry, she has this little line that comes up in between her eyes. Right there, it's just one little wrinkle. And I've seen that since she was two years old. She's had that same wrinkle right there. So I'm looking at her, and I know that my, my girl's afraid. She says, Dad, what if we were kidding about it a little bit, and we were having fun, and I was teasing her about it? But I, I knew that she needed an answer. And she said, Dad, what if, what if I'm not prayed up? What if I'm not ready for something like this? What if... What, what, if I'm, what if something goes wrong? And I looked at her, and I said, Savannah, you have nothing to fear. 
You don't have anything to be afraid of. The devil is defeated. He wants you to be afraid, but, but he's defeated. Greater is the spirit that's living on the inside of you. I just preached your little message right there. Greater is the spirit that's living on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. The Bible says that the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, the same power that caused him to be resurrected, that same power lives on the inside of you. The devil is a defeated foe. You don't have anything to be afraid of. Nothing will overcome you. If you get the chance to go, you go. If they ask you, hey, don't worry about it if they don't ask you. Don't, you don't have to volunteer. I'm not telling you. But listen, baby, if they ask you to go, you go in the power of God because God wants you to be there because somebody's going to get delivered because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you. And she said, okay, Dad. And I want to tell you something. I don't know what you're afraid of. I don't know what, why you're not taking a step of faith. I don't know what, 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 you're, what God is calling you to do, but the enemy is putting there in front of you. He's trying to make you afraid of something. Let me say this to you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. There is nothing to be afraid of. The same power that, that, that raised Jesus from the dead lives on the inside of your life. That Holy Spirit power that overcomes every spirit of darkness, it dwells on the inside of you. The Bible says that when you speak the name of Jesus, that the demons tremble. They do the shimmy. You know what I'm saying? That, that is the kind of power. So when you speak, when you move forward, go boldly. Because God is with you. Amen? So what are you afraid of? What step of faith are you not taking today because of fear? Let me tell you this. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have that power living on the inside of you. The, de- the devil is a defeated foe. He can't overpower you. He can't overtake your life. You are a child of God. You have a holy divine protection in your life. Walk by faith and not by sight. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for speaking to people today, and I thank you, Lord. I believe, Lord, that you are challenging people on a subject that affects all of us. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to everybody where we are, whatever we're afraid of, whatever keeps us from knowing you, whatever keeps us from obeying you, Lord, I pray that we will surrender that to you today. As your heads are bowed, maybe you're here and and you belong to Jesus. He's Lord and Savior of your life, but there are some things that you feel God is compelling you to do, but you're not moving forward because of fear. What is that thing? Maybe, maybe God is calling you to let go of something, but you're too afraid, or you feel insecure, but you know you should be doing it. Maybe God is calling you to, to start a business, or, or, or to, God is calling you to be promoted in your life, or God is calling you and challenging you as far as generosity. God is challenging you as far as serving. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe God is trying to work a work in your life and you're shying back because of fear. Whatever that is, today we're going to give that to God. We're going to cast that worry on God. If you believe that, 
You want to be entered into this prayer? Just pray with me. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for everybody that's here. And I thank you, Lord, for speaking to us and challenging us, Lord. And as this message has gone forth, I believe that it's going to challenge different people and also believe it's going to change people. Whatever we fear, whatever we're going through, whatever is standing in our way that keeps us from obeying you, on the other side of that fear is the place that you want to take us in order to bless our lives. We don't have to be afraid. We move with faith. We keep on walking because we walk by faith and not by sight. No matter what the enemy says, no matter what he puts in front of us, we keep walking because our faith is in you. In the name of Jesus, if you believe that, say amen.